Hello, welcome back to the Let's See Brief podcast. I'm Jenna. I'm Ashley. And today we have a special guest that we're super excited about. <laughs> Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Abby Grace Jones. Amazing. Abby Grace is our friend. I have known, I feel like Abby Grace for the last three or four years now through church, but I yeah. feel like you and Jenna have known each other for a long time. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. When did, oh my gosh, actually, <laughs> I remember when we met. I don't even know how this happened, but you asked me to go out to dinner with you. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it was like, there's a young girl, I'm an older girl, let's like yeah. have a church mentorship relationship vibe. Mm-hmm. And I remember you asked me to go to Shady Grove. Yes. Oh, I Shady Shady. And I was like in college. And I feel like we started talking about like careers and workforce and that just like went into a a dark hole of conversation. It's like, we should find a time to continue this. Yes. Well, I remember just being so nervous. Like, so nervous. That sounds so funny. like... You, were you engaged? Or not even yet? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I was, like, young. And I, I, yeah, I was just so nervous. And I remember asking you, I was like, oh, so, like, you and your husband got married really young, didn't you? And you were like, I'm 29 or something <laughs> like that. And I was like, what? Uh-huh. You were perplexed at my yes. age. Yes. yes. You you uh, look very young. You look very I'll young, but it. you carry yourself very maturely at the oh, same time. Yes. So you're like, I'll wow, she's it. so mature for a 25-year-old. <laughs> and she wants to hang out with me. Yes. <laughs> Abby Grace is like the most like comforting person. I feel like she'll tell ever. you how it is, but then also yes. just be such a good listener at the same time and just be like, yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, so here's like, some things so. I can well, see. I don't think you should do that, though. And I'm like... Okay. Oh, okay. Thank you, actually. Abby Grace is like the person in my life that I go to when I'm like, I need confidence to like confront someone. She's like, fair. set your boundary. <laughs> Boundaries are important. That's a whole, that could be a whole nother conversation. Oh Absolutely. my gosh. Yes. But okay. Tell us like any, give us a little, little intro on yourself. A little intro. Well, my life currently, um, I work full-time from home, which is incredible. COVID, like most people, sent me home to work, and I never went back, and it it's the best. Um, I have a two-year-old daughter, Ruby. Ruby Day. Ruby, Ruby Day. Day. She's the best. The best. We actually like, we spent the like party. 15 minutes before this talking we did. about how much we love her <laughs> and how She's, chill she is. <laughs> she Well, you both like captured her on film, which I think is really that cool. That is true. Yes. Um, and I feel like I look back at those all the time because we've done really well, I feel like, of, of capturing these like seasons in our life, especially since she has been in it. And it's just crazy how it's gone so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like if I'm not working, I'm hanging out with her. Um, I'm married to Corey and how long have you been married? We celebrated eight years of marriage in May. That's crazy. So it is cute. it's weird. Eight it's is a weird. big number. Literally like I we're all like spread out. Like you're eight, you just celebrated five, five and then yeah. I'm coming up on one and I like even just looking at five, I'm like, I can't comprehend being there. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Like the, the like the first year has definitely gone by fast, but I'm like, okay, like it'll be fun. Like we'll celebrate mm-hmm. a year, but then hearing like even something so close as five I'm like ah that's weird yeah I think it it's funny because so much like we've had so much life happen in that eight years that it's just like how does that time go so fast Mm -hmm. like the seasons feel long but you go and the years just fly by um so yeah that's a little like 
where I'm Talk oh I recent update. <laughs> that's fair. I am expecting. Um, we've got a baby boy on the way in October. Yay! What's his actual excited. date? October nineteenth. Uh, Yay! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Could share birthday with Cole. Halloween. Yeah, it's true. Ooh. Oh, that's so far. Baby. Ooh. <laughs> You're like, please no. Well, like, how about early with Ruby? Ruby was a week and a half early. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's not common for. I don't know what's even common. That- <laughs> I feel like yes. everyone yes. I know like is like usually like a couple weeks late with their <clears> first <throat> baby, but mm-hmm. then who knows? There's well, probably 500 other women that are always early. Yes, and they say that like everybody reaches a point of like I'm done being pregnant, like I'm ready to do this. And we actually went on a walk. Remember we yes. went to Frick Park. I'm like we're gonna walk this baby out. 24 hours later, my water breaks. So I'm like okay, crazy. let's do I it. I was the last walk. The you last were. Walk. You were the last like activity I think because it was like Aww. 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. So, special. so special like i just need to get this baby out <laughs> um okay so before we get into the topic of today's episode we should say a trigger warning for mm-hmm. like yeah. infertility pregnancy pregnancy loss things yeah. we're gonna be talking all of those sensitive topics yes Absolutely. sensitive topics but we really wanted to do this episode because i feel like one Infertility things are so common Mm -hmm. these days. And I feel like a lot of people feel like they're either going through it alone or they just can't like maybe they feel awkward to open up about it or it's just a sensitive topic in general. And the other reason that I like really wanted to talk about this is because I always talk to Abby Grace when other people in my life mm. might be going through something similar. And I'm like, how would you advise me to like handle this yeah. with others? Because I feel like that's another thing. There's so many graphics always on Instagram. Mm. They're like, this is what not to say to someone. Yeah. This. this is what you should say. But then like <laughs> other things will say something completely opposite. Mm. And it's just like a lot of times it seems like it's too complicated i just won't talk about it absolutely i won't even ask that is mm-hmm. always my default but then looking back i'm like they probably felt like they had no friend in like the moment and like i feel like 90 percent of the time when i talk to somebody like how are you feeling they're like nobody asks me about it mm-hmm. i we have a friend who has gone I'm, i don't want to give too many details away to give them away but gone through something really hard in talking about like kids and stuff and I would just be like, how are you? And she's like, thank you for asking because everyone is scared to ask me. Yeah. yeah. And like afraid of saying the wrong thing, which I'm like, oh, okay, well, thank goodness I asked because I usually mm-hmm. go on the opposite end and I would feel awful. I mean, you think that you're doing something helpful, but yeah. really you could just be like, uh, they could just feel isolated. Very yeah. much. Yeah. So anyways, we're going to be talking about all that stuff. So if that is like a hard thing for you to hear, you can skip this episode, but if you are interested in that or just need some encouragement, here, welcome. Here it is. Here we are. You're not alone. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so why don't you give us like a little like summary of your childbearing oh, journey? Yes. <laughs> um, well, I think it's important to say that like I think I had growing up, everybody asks you like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know. Who do you want to be? And my answer was always mom. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to be a mom. I just want to have kids. Um, obviously, like, having a husband was thrown into that <laughs> time. Like, yes. I guess um, but <laughs> I think once I reached my 
early to mid 20s um was also just in this place of like am i actually ever gonna meet someone Mm. (laughs) that i like want to spend my life with um and actually like wrestled with thoughts of like would i want to have kids by myself if that Mm -hmm. was never even on the table did you see yourself like as like a young mom i did okay i did yeah i mean i think had you had asked me even in college it's like i i just wanted to get married and have kids i didn't necessarily have this like career mind for myself um I didn't have any sort of like big dreams in the workforce world, um, but that was kind of my, like I just wanna meet someone that I can share and live my life with and have babies. <laughs> um, thank God, met Corey and- How old were you when you guys uh, met? 25. Okay. Tell us the meeting story. Oh. It's such a half like, chance, I feel like. It's so, yeah, It it's like my movie story. Everybody has a movie story. Um, we were on a work trip. Um, he was doing the same job for the same company in Pittsburgh. I was doing it in Nashville. And our company had a group training in Columbus. And we met at that training. And <laughs> what was the vibe of meeting? Uh, I mean, I was definitely interested. Like, like how did he, did he approach you and say? He didn't. Hey. So <laughs> the... It's just a bunch of, like, people in their 20s, like... Just hanging out. Hanging out, you know, you're eating and drinking on someone else's dime. So it's like, let's have a good time. Absolutely. Um, And we were actually all down at the hotel bar. And the girl, who's my friend, actually, who's staying in my room, we were sharing, she was interested in the guy that was in Corey's room. Oh. So, like, we're all at the hotel bar hanging out one night, and... The last night, we were all trying to figure out, what what are we all going to go do? Are we going to go out to eat? Are we going to go dancing? Are we going to go to a bar? Like, what should we do? They all wanted to go dancing. And in my head, I'm like, you don't go dancing without, like, a person. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I'm not trying to be the wallflower. Yeah. So I'm trying to, like, get rid of that idea. And they, um, they just start bringing it up. And Corey looks over at me, and he's like, well, I'll dance with you. Ooh, okay. It's like, love okay. That. Love that. Okay, so... That kind of sparked some like, okay. (laughs) Suddenly I love the dancing (laughs) idea. (laughs) Well, it's funny. We all, so we all went to dinner and drinks um, at this arcade bar and everybody left. Corey and I ended up staying and we Mm. sat there and talked until they closed. And then we went back to the hotel lobby and we sat and talked until like three or four in the morning. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But you never went dancing? No. Mm. Which was fine. But you would have danced with her. I was fine by me. I was like, (laughs) I'm good. Um, but it was cool. It actually, like, he asked me about my tattoo and I had never been in a place, um, to really share, like, faith comfortably when Mm. dating. Like, I had dated people that I liked and it, like, worked well, but the faith thing never really fit. Mm -hmm. And the fact that our conversation sparked off with that was like, ooh, this is different. Was he already a Christian as well? Mm Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes. Um, but I think we were both in a place of, like how does this fit into a relationship like it's meant to? Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I would say that we hadn't, neither of us had really experienced that before meeting one another. Um, and he has, says, he has said this too, but it's it feels very cliche and I really don't love it, but it's like when you know, you know, like it just worked so well that it was yeah. like, I just want to keep talking to you. A I want to keep spending percent. time with you. And, and you we never, I did. Yeah. How long was like that process again? We met in February and we're married the next May. 
So February 2014, married May 2015. So cute. It's wild, wild. Um, All right, so you're married. married. And you're like, let's start making babies. Not right away. (laughs) Um, We did take a few years to just be, which um, was good for us. But there also a lot of life happened in those years. Um, Corey had open heart surgery. Like there was just a lot of growing moments for us in those years um i will say the first year of marriage is like pure bliss like everybody kind of scares you to death right (laughs) you can probably attest to that yes Um, oh yeah i'm like jenna it's the craziest thing we just like get along yeah yeah it's fun it's (laughs) enjoyable yeah um so i think those years were really good and we finally got to a place where it's like okay i was turning 30 it's like now's the time um did you have a number in your mind of how many kids you wanted always no i all of this i come from big like a big family um so i think i always pictured a lot of kids or just like a lot of just chaos like Mm. i remember the first time Corey came to tennessee and was around my entire like extended family and the look on his face was just like what is going this is normal (laughs) like Cause it's just him and his brother. Okay. Um, his twin. His twin. Yeah. His twin. Weird. Um, <laughs> and so I think I just I grew up in chaos and fun and crowdedness, and I think I pictured some of that, um, but was also open to whatever kind of came our way. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so as I think most married couples do, got to the point where it's like we're ready-ish mm-hmm. or as ready as we think we could be um and started trying didn't um didn't prevent anything from happening <laughs> were you at this point like trying trying or just not preventing not preventing okay. um and then after about a year consulted my doctor and was just like hey what do you recommend and as i think some women in the, the case of this have experienced you know they start telling you like here are some things you can track, ovulation, temperature, all of this, um, to make it more, to give you a higher success rate. Um, so we did that for a little while. And I got to the point where it was uh, very all-consuming. Mm-hmm. And I hear this a lot from women who are in the position of like really wanting to conceive, but trying to keep it uh, from consuming everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to the point where it was consuming everything. And so kind of took a step back um and continued trying from there okay what were you feeling in that like first year ish when you were like you're trying you're not like seeing anything happening but you haven't like started any like fertility things Mm -hmm. like what was your overall mood with it i think i was if i'm being honest i was frustrated Mm. i was really frustrated um because I think growing up, like, you're told, like, if you have sex, you're going to get pregnant, right? Literally. Like, Literally. There's so many stigmas <laughs> that I have such a problem with. Um, and that's one of them is it's, you know, it's scientifically, it's not that simple. Yeah. Um, like when I found out that you could only get pregnant when you were ovulating, I yeah. was like, what? I thought it was like any time you were having sex, right. there was a chance you could right. get pregnant. Anytime it's even close to it. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Yeah. Anytime you're thinking about it, like you might as well just not. (laughs) Yes. Um, So, yeah, I was really frustrated, but it also sparked this um, new desire to learn and to gain more knowledge of like 
what happens in my body? Hmm, what needs yeah. to happen? Where does my body need to be? Um, so it also sparked to this like need for information. Yeah, which is also something that's like never discussed. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't reached the point where I was like, I had lost hope yet. Like okay. I was still very much hopeful. Like, okay, this is going to happen. It's just taking a little bit longer. Yeah, it's just taking a little bit longer. Okay. Yeah. So where did you go from there with like how much longer until you went back to a doctor? Um, I gave it six more months. And my doctor was simply like, you should just maybe go through some testing just mm. to see. Um I unknowingly didn't really know what I was signing up for or signing Corey up for. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> just, it's it's a lot. It's yeah, a lot. Just the initial testing. Just the initial wow. testing is um, really intense because they want to not only, like, I don't know a better word, but, like, dissect your husband and figure out if everything's good there, but they're tracking everything um, within your body, within ovulation. Like, they want their job as my doctor said, is to prove that everything is working as it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to see you all the time and take blood all the time Mm. and run tests. And it was just, it was a lot. Exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we've talked about faith, like on the podcast before, Mm -hmm. if you feel comfortable, like where, especially since uh, everything you guys went through with Corey's open heart surgery, like where Mm -hmm. are you feeling at at this point when you're going through the initial testing, like in your faith? And like, Mm -hmm. are you like, what the hell God? Mm -hmm. Or are you like, no, I still have like this undeniable peace. (laughs) I would say there's no peace. Um, And some of that was on, like that was on me because I wasn't accessing peace. Mm. Um, I was accessing control. Okay. That like like this is supposed to happen on my timeline. This is, this should be easy. Um, And I think what probably made that worse is they weren't finding anything. Every yeah. every test looked normal. Every um, everything proved that I was ovulating. I was able to have children. I had plenty of eggs. Like there was nothing concrete mm. to say. Like here's the reason you haven't gotten pregnant. Uh, that just is the unknown yeah. of it. The most frustrating thing <laughs> I can imagine because the the one thing I can relate it to is like when I had endo and I was in so much yeah. pain. I remember before my surgery being like, I am praying so hard that they find. Something. that I have endo because then it can be fixed and I'm mm-hmm. sure you there's the same answer. way like okay maybe I'm not ovulating then they can give me a medicine for it and we'll be good maybe I'm not crazy yes. <laughs> yeah but it's like nope you're good and you're like okay well and shortly after that I was feeling some of that but I remember talking to a close friend who was ahead on this journey and she was just sharing like maybe this is a good thing because if there was something concrete, like you would fixate on that mm, so wholeheartedly. And it and it would. I think it would have made a lot of the coming steps of our journey much harder. Yeah. Um, so at the same time, I was frustrated. I'm like, okay, well, my body is functioning the way that it was made to. Um, there's <laughs> everything... You feel like in that moment it should be a praise report. Correct. Yes. <laughs> but you're also just like, okay. Then. And that's kind of what you were saying earlier to answer that is like, I was trying to remind myself like, this could be much worse. Mm-hmm. Like I could be, you know, there could be a result here that would make it much harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so that led us into our diagnosis, which is a whole another but it's unexplained infertility literally you're like that's my diagnosis that's on my chart that's my <laughs> diagnosis know. um but what was 
crazy was I started to find all these other women who were in the exact same position. How did you find them? Um, some of it was through friends. Um, it felt very uncomfortable for me, but there was a support group just for this specific realm of fertility mm. patients. Um, and that I think just allowed me to feel like, okay, not only am I not alone in this, but there are women ahead of me who mm. have had successful pregnancies and have had children and there's still no reason or rhyme to why it didn't work out the way it did for them early on. Um, but there is hope yeah. that you know we'll be able to have biological children. When they gave you that diagnosis, did they accompany it with, but there's things we could do? Or were they just like, sorry? Yes. So thankfully, and this is not everybody's experience, my doctor, um, Dr. Kubik, she's retired now, but she was just like, so hopeful That's and amazing. so wonderful. A good doctor is everything. Literally. It truly is. And I would say, like, if you don't feel that way, like, advocate for yourself. Because that's one thing that she taught me. Because she was advocating for me before I could advocate for myself. That's amazing. Um, I'll never forget. As soon as we had that conversation, she was like, my job is to give you children. Hmm. Like, that is why I am your I'm doctor. Gonna <laughs> I'm going to cry. Um, and she, we, re- like, we re- like revisited that conversation multiple times through our journey because it continued to progress um but she taught me a lot about the the advocating piece which helped me through the fertility journey through pregnancy through birth postpartum like Mm -hmm. it it rang true for a long time and still does that's amazing yeah okay so now you are seeing a fertility doctor yes what's going on now so what's going on we start treatments, um, which if you're not, if you don't tap into this world, like more than a toe, everybody thinks you jump right to IVF. Mm. Um, but there are fertility treatments you can do before that that are so much less invasive, so much um, less expensive. Um, so we spent a good year doing those and we were able to conceive our first child. What, what are the treatments? Um, so there are a few. The ones that we did is called an IUI. It's an interuterine insemination. So they essentially take fresh sperm, clean, and remove all um, non-mature sperm mm. and test the woman at the same time to make sure it's like peak ovulation and inject those sperm into your uterus, that peak ovulation. So it's like just helping along the process. Yes. Yeah, and like weeding out all of the non- Yes, yeah, very much. Powerful sperm. Very much. Okay. Is very it like- Science is very interesting. Mm-hmm. I know. Is it like painful? Are you asleep? No. Like what's, Oh no, you're what very it? much awake. Is it just like they stick a syringe in there? And- Basically. Interesting. Okay. There's, um, it's, it's interesting just, cause I still stay in tap to that world just like, Scientifically, I find it fascinating what's possible, but all of these companies like Frida, Mm. who is amazing for moms and babies, um, but they have tapped into Frida Fertility and have created basically all these things for at-home fertility. Very interesting. So it's like, I find it uber fascinating because I'm like, I would love to have had that. Yeah, that's Um, very interesting. So they're making it more accessible, but also uh, less scary. To kind of start tapping into that world. Like, had I been able to go to Target and buy something off the shelf and be like, hmm, like, let's try this out. Let's see what this experience is like. I think it would have made it feel less um, intense. Yeah. 
less intense um, <laughs> and given you more kind of control over mm. the start of that experience. Interesting. Um, so we did many of those, got pregnant on one of those, um, sadly miscarried that baby. Um, how did you feel like when you found out you were pregnant mm-hmm. the first time? Because mm-hmm. like, this is like your first positive, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What were you feeling in that moment? Um, disbelief in a lot of ways. Uh, relief in a lot of ways. Um, because as that season progressed, it was like, is this actually going to happen? And then it happens and it's like, is it real? Yeah. <laughs> um, and we were like thankfully able to like see the baby a few times and we heard the heartbeat and got to see it move and like had wow. proof. Wow. Yeah. Um, so up until the miscarriage happened, it was like bliss. It was really enjoyable. How long did you carry that baby? <sighs> it was like eight or nine weeks, mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle there. Okay. So, and you probably, because you were doing fertility, you probably found out like as soon as. I found out when I was three weeks. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So you knew for That's a while. Yeah. I knew for a while. Um, and that I think is one of the benefits of the fertility world is you're not, you know, for most women, you find out you're pregnant and they're like, cool, we'll see you in like eight weeks. Mm-hmm. That would have driven me crazy. <laughs> um, but I know a lot of friends who have been through that experience where it's just like, we're just waiting. Um, so it is nice that you kind of get confirmation early yeah. on, but yeah, it yeah. Um, provided reassurance that I think when you're in the fertility journey, you need a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're like, this can't be real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I need to be seeing that heartbeat, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, okay, so tell us about how, like, you were feeling when you miscarried, how that process went for you, what were your emotions? Yeah. All a million yeah. of them, Anything I'm sure. you would like to share? Um, I mean, I, I, if I'm being honest, in hindsight, I knew something was wrong, just in my gut, I knew mm-hmm. something wasn't right. Um, I had had some spotting but it was not significant at all. Um, and I feel like depending on who you ask, they're like, that's normal. Like, Well, like- yeah, and I've had bleeding through all three of my pregnancies. Interesting. So it is, my doctor would say it's not normal, but it's common. Okay. So it is way more common. And it's, again, one of those things that no one talks about. Um, so it's alarming regardless of the situation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in my third pregnancy now when I see that I'm like I just get triggered very quickly and I kind of hate that word but it just takes you back to this time of like fear um but I had called my doctor I even went in and she's like I like I don't think we have a reason to be worried for now but if things progress or you start to feel cramping or what have you just call us or come back in um Nothing really progressed, but later, probably 48 hours later, I had really severe cramping. Mm. Um, And I don't know, like, how detailed you want me to get. um, If (laughs) anybody. As much as you want to share. If anybody wants to know more, we can always talk more. But a few hours later, delivered baby at home. And it was a horribly traumatic experience. but at the same time, I was glad I was home. I was yeah. glad I was with Corey. Um, yeah. I can, I literally cannot imagine 
how that felt to go through, especially after everything you had yeah. already been through. We're literally all crying if you're not watching on video. This is the first time I've cried on the podcast. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, it's like something that just becomes a piece of you. Um, And there's still to this day, like maybe a week ago, Corey and I were both like sitting outside and just something happened and we were both just uberly emotional about it. So it's not something I think you ever get over. Um, But I think I decided then and there is like, this is something I'm going to choose to honor Mm. for the rest of my life. Um, And I think, you know, we jumped into the fertility world and we learned a lot. You have a miscarriage and then you all of a sudden figure out, like, so many people around me have experienced this. Why Mm. is no one talking about it? Yeah. Um, Why do I suddenly feel, like, alone? Um, Mm. And then there's this stigma where I can't talk about it. there's no acknowledgement of this life that was and no longer is. Um, so I quickly went into that like focus of like, I'm going to give honor to this. I'm going to call it what it is. Like my baby died. It was mm-hmm. not anything else but that. Um, and that I think for me just gave me validation too of like, this happened to me. I'm going to be okay. It sucks a lot. Um, and it's really sad, but it also forced me to just like, I had a choice in that moment of like, do we stop? Do we take a minute? And I was like, if I stop, I think I'm going to go into full like depression over this. So it kind of forced me to just, let's keep moving. Um, we did take a short like break from everything, but I was just like, like, I, I'm sure let your body take a minute. (laughs) Some of it was that, um, but it was way more mental, Mm -hmm. um, some women that do miscarry um, or lose a pregnancy do have significant physical ailment. Um, like sometimes it requires surgery. Like there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, thankfully, that was not my case. Um, so we took some time to heal and kept pressing forward. Just to take a pause while we're talking about miscarriage, like what would your either advice be for like someone who's going through that or maybe someone who has friends or family that have gone through it how to maybe like what was your best thing that helped you get through that time Mm -hmm. and what can like someone do to be there for someone else I think something that Ashley was saying earlier is really important like asking how can I help because you don't really know where you're at, like where someone's at with it. Um, I have had friends who are completely distraught and heartbroken. I have friends who have had one and felt relief. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's really important to acknowledge like not everyone has a miscarriage and is extremely upset. Interesting. Um, Interesting. I think the really big piece is asking like, how can I support you best? Mm -hmm. What do you need from me as your friend, as your family member? How can I best show up for you during this time? Um, For me, the best thing was allowing space for me to talk about it. Mm, Um, Because I think at first it felt very much like people didn't know what to do or what to say. So no one talked about it. And I was like, does no one care about what I just went through? Um, So it, it helped me feel like if I'm having a good day, I can have a good day and I can talk about it. But if I'm not having a good day, 
or if I'm feeling really bad about this baby shower that I'm sitting at, I can talk about that too. Mm -hmm. Um, So just having close friends and family that were just in it with me, despite how I was feeling. What are some things that people shouldn't say? That's a great question. (laughs) Um, Everything happens for a reason. Oh. I think was a, people use that phrase for everything. Um, And also like, just when you're in the middle of something, why, like, I don't know, especially in the Christian world, it's like, all right, well, God must have something greater on the other side. You're like, greater than a child? Like, what do you, what I, I get the sentiment, but at the same time, how can you like understand that it that's goes what hand, I want to hear. Yeah, it goes hand in hand because yes, God is t- like God took that really crappy situation. Um, I almost cursed on the podcast. I don't want to curse oh, on the podcast. Okay. My mom um, almost dropped the f bomb, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> um, God took this really bad situation and used it for a lot of good. But I also believe that like the God that I love was heartbroken with me in that mm, room. Absolutely was distraught over the loss of a child um so i don't agree that god sees these things happen or feels these things happen and doesn't grieve with us absolutely um so that one was just always like i'm gonna ignore what you're saying because if i say something i'm probably going to offend you or hurt you (laughs) um gosh there are so i mean and i think you said it earlier there's so many things out there on instagram and you know, all the social medias is like, here's what's not to say. Um, but I think it's really important to acknowledge like where your people are at when they're going through this. Um, and I think you'll, if you know them well, you're going to know what to say or do. Um, I had a friend recently go through a similar situation and me being an Enneagram to a helper, a fixer, I just took Um, They weren't even home, but took like flowers and chocolate and wrote them a long note and just left it. It's like, Mm -hmm. I just want you to know that I'm here. Like, I don't want to pressure to talk. I don't want to force anything, but I want you to know that you're not alone. Um, So I think it's important to not force like what you think you would want in that situation on other people. That's a really good point. Um, I, I feel like so many people are like, like, even being the helper, like, you could be like, all right, like, bursting down the door and, like, let's sit down and talk about right. it. And they're like, I'm not ready to talk about it. But mm-hmm. I love I love the gesture of, like, going first and being like, here I am, like, if you need me. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure that made her feel like, oh, my gosh, like, mm-hmm. thank you so much. Yes, I'm ready to talk about it. Come over or, like, whatever. Yeah. Ultimately, my goal is, like, I want, no matter what you're going through as someone that I care for, like, I want you to feel seen and feel not alone absolutely and so small gestures i think go a long way in that um and just giving space for people to kind of even feel out like how do i feel what do i need yeah i feel Um, like agree or disagree like on top of that as the person that's trying to be there like mm -hmm. not get offended if Mm -hmm. they don't react the way yes absolutely absolutely like if you were really hoping that she was going going to invite you over to like talk through everything but then she just sends a simple thank you so much for what you did yeah that's enough (laughs) it is it is and i think it's um i think you're absolutely spot on with that because it's not about you if you're doing it for you then you're doing it for the wrong reasons so um okay i wanted to ask kind of going back to like the fertility treatment things Mm -hmm. and like being there for someone so okay in the scenario that like 
the first few years you're going through the treatments, but you haven't become pregnant yet. How often or how much would you personally like want your friends to like be asking you how it's mm-hmm. going? Oh, that's <clears throat> such a good like, question. Yeah, how did that? How would you give advice on that? I we made an active choice to share our journey with a small circle. Um, it was not anything that was like out on the internet. Most of our family was not aware, um, just because when you start to share that, there's a lot of follow-up questions. Mm. Um, and I was not in the space to answer those. Corey, well, maybe how long is it gonna take? Right. Corey, maybe, <laughs> and that's maybe another question you don't ask. Like, yeah, yeah absolutely. That um, is sort of like the older generation. I mean, yes, that it goes for us too. But like the older generation, I just feel like. This infertility stuff is so new to them. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, I mean, I had to tell my own grandma, like, we're, I mean, we're not even trying for kids, but she's like, when are you going to give me a great grand like, kid? And I'm like, you can't be asking those things in 2023. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you got to right. stop. Really can't. Right. I have a friend who is, um, who's expecting right now. And we were talking the other day and it's not public knowledge. And it's amazing how a if a female goes to a party and doesn't have an alcoholic drink, mm-hmm. there's this assumption of, oh, well, they must be pregnant. Mm-hmm. But then there's also this like horrible assumption of, I'm just gonna, I, I have the ability to go ask them. Absolutely not. And it is so offensive to me personally um, because we don't do that to guys, oh, right? Oh, a thousand like, percent. A guy's at a party not having a drink, it's like, oh, your wife must be pregnant, right? No. Um, so another thing not to say. Don't ask yeah. people if they're pregnant. I have I don't drink in general unless like I will drink at a wedding maybe, but like a other wedding than twice that, a year. Yeah, other than that. <laughs> like, a wedding that you're not shooting, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it just will make me really sick, so it's not worth it to me. The amount of times people are like, Someone must be pregnant. Mm-hmm. I'm like No. What How I, many people are you saying this to? Because right. to me, sometimes like if someone says this to me, I'm like, nope. <laughs> but like for someone who's gone through so much like mm-hmm. that, it's like that is extremely insensitive. Insensitive and you have rude. No idea what's been going on. Yeah. Yeah. And even now, like as someone who has not gotten pregnant the old fashioned or the natural way, it can still be very triggering, even while pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Um interesting. Because that has not been my experience. Um but to go back to your original question, um, we shared it with a small circle of like the steps that we were taking um, because we wanted people surrounding us with prayer and support that we trusted, mm-hmm. that we knew would show up for us in the good and the bad, despite the outcome. Okay. Did you just share your updates with them? Mm-hmm. Or w- were you wanting them to also check back in with you? How often would you like want someone to maybe ask you about it? I'm not naturally good at asking for help or <laughs> yeah. support. So I probably should have asked for more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned that very quickly. And I think the people that know me well know that I'm not one to say, hey, I need this. Yeah. Um, so they would check in pretty regularly. Okay. Uh, we were also spending, you know, we started um, fertility treatment shortly before COVID happened. So. Um, and we'll jump to the IVF part shortly, but I was going through IVF during COVID. So it's like, we didn't have a large community. No one really did. So the mm. people that we were spending time with, like, 
they knew what was up because they saw it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Start. Tell us about the <clears throat> So we're recovering. <laughs> we're recovering short latte sip. I will take one as well. Where is your special drink from this morning? Um, it's from 61C in Regent Square. Wait, 61? Mm. Is this new? No. No, you mean 61B. 61 the one that's C in Regent Square. Squirrel Hill. Oh, okay, I didn't know so there we flip flop. Okay, yes. So that's mm-hmm. why I was like, I've heard of sixty one B, but now sixty one C. They're they're the same thing. Oh, the B and okay. C throw me off really badly. Okay, the bus lines. Okay. Oh, I'm tracking. Yeah, that's what the I learned something are. new today. Okay, because that's what you used to take, right? Yeah, me and Timmy used to ride the buses everywhere in college. That's so cute. Yeah, so it's the bus line that it's on. That's a really okay. good idea. Well, it's in Regent Square. It's the closest one to me, kind of. Um, yeah. It's, nice. it's easy in and What's out. What's your order? Ice vanilla latte, always. Always. What kind of milk? I mean, I love a good oat milk, but I'm not particular. Okay. Continue. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whole milk is also fine. On to IVF. <clears throat> um, so, in the miscarriage was in 2019. 2020 happens. Uh, we sign up to do IVF, um, and then I immediately, um, unexpectedly, lose my dad. Um, so, uh, huh. so we're in this place of like, we decided to do this thing. Um, there was a lot of time and research on my part that went into that of just like making correct decisions on healthcare, on medication, on all the things that go into it, because it's a very expensive experience. Um, I thankfully work for a company that provides support for it, which is, Um, I feel like needs to become a universal thing is like it does it that's insane when i it's unheard of Mm -hmm. yeah i remember going in and talking to the um they have a an educational uh, counselor within my doctor which is also like what you have someone there that just talks to you about your benefits and how to best use them um and she was just like i just have to tell you like this is completely unheard of and you should be really thankful to have it and I was like oh I'm oh, extremely aware of me I'm extremely aware um so we're like set up and ready and then my dad passes and it halted things for me but it was also that element of how I felt with the miscarriage of like deep loss deep sadness um kind of shock in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but just kept like I I need I need to push forward. I need to keep going because if I don't, I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, and that I think has been a theme in my life when it comes to deeply emotional experiences. Like even the open heart stuff was with Corey. It's like my mind kind of shut off a little bit and I just went into like Energizer Bunny. Just like mm. keep moving, keep going. It's going to be okay. And do you feel like there within yourself there's a healthy balance of like acknowledging it happened or using pressing forward as like a distraction? Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I was even talking to my therapist recently just about we revisited the loss of my dad for something, and I have this ability to kind of shut off to take care of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so when that happened, I was available to make decisions and make sure everybody else was taken care of. And then we came back to Pittsburgh, and I just kind of broke down. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're exhausted, like like mentally. And um, yeah, emotionally. um, And I think at one point I looked at Corey and I was like, I don't think that I've processed this for myself. And some of that is like a healthy protection, um, but some of it is very much uh, ignore, Mm -hmm. ignore. Um, 
So once we get to a place where we are feeling as ready as possible, we begin IVF. Tell us about <clears throat> everything that goes into that. Man. The shots. The shots are just like, yeah. So my doctor, we sat down for like the final like paperwork, everything kind of setting it in motion. And she's like, again, how do you feel? And I was like, a year before this, I had sat down with her and said like, it's okay, IVF will never be in the cards for us. Mm. We'll never have to do that. And I love the confidence though, because I mean, I feel like a lot of it is like how you speak about it. If you're gonna go into that like, first like fertility like thing you're just gonna and thinking like well it's nice to know we have IVF but it's Mm -hmm. like okay but like let's be present like right here and like think that this could work out for us right sorry I was gonna ask did you end up trying any more IUIs post miscarriage we did um I think we did two or three possibly um but again you're waiting for your ovulation to happen so that was multiple more months tacked on to that do you just if you're doing that do you just typically do one month once a month you can only do one once a month Mm -hmm. um and so we sat down after the last one and my doctor just looked at me and she was like we were going back and forth on whether to do another IUI or jump into IVF and just talking and she's like my job is to give you a child and it is to give you the best chance at it and IVF is your best chance I said okay so here we go (laughs) um just like everything else it came with a lot of like initial testing um and what's what was helpful about the situation that i didn't anticipate is that you are um at least within my practice given a nurse this Mm -hmm. is your person you're talking through everything they're the ones calling you sending you updates like you're talking to the same person every time which was so helpful yeah and their job is solely ivf nursing um, also, when you started IVF, how long had you been in the, like, unexplained infertility? Like, how many years has it been? In now? total, it was close to two years. Okay. So, not, I mean, a lot, half of a year of that was just testing and, like, initial information. About a year and a half was um, procedure okay. patient. Um so we make the decisions on medications and uh protocol and it's it's wild i still have it on my phone actually your whole they send you your whole calendar of here the here the medications you take here's when you take them like i felt way way too much responsibility all at once was like how am i going to do this um and again thank god that i was working and working from home because we were home yeah we i didn't i i for a second i wondered like if i was in the office how would i do this one i can't physically give myself a shot to save my life you're like i have to thank god for my husband (laughs) oh my goodness um and they're also timed like to the minute so i am very like i think god went ahead of us in that and just allowed us to be home and to do it together um like i'll never forget um mel's uh, everybody knows Mel's Fourth of July party. Mel oh, Jordan, of course. <laughs> um, I'll never forget my watch going off and being like, "Oh no, it's time for a shot." And going upstairs to their bedroom and Corey giving me a shot in my ass <laughs> on Fourth of July. How many shots did you have to do per day? And were they all butt shots? <sighs> no, <laughs> butt they're shots. not all butt shots. Okay. So, oh my gosh, when the shots start, so there are many phases and steps with IVF. Um, the the goal of IVF is to get mature eggs, mix them with sperm, and create embryos. 
and to then take those embryos and put them back into your body at some later point or what have you. So the first step is taking all of these hormones to mature eggs fast. So naturally, every woman has a mature egg once a month. That's your ovulation. Your body releases that one egg. IVF is pumping you through those drugs to mature as many as possible Mm -hmm. to then prepare you for surgery to remove them. So I'm pumping all of these drugs, and all of those are in your stomach for the most part. The stomach or your thigh. You can choose with some of them. Um, My doctor said, like, your thigh is going to be a lot more sore if you do that. So I would recommend stomach. Um, And it's a softer tissue, so it's usually a little bit easier. So all of those are in my stomach. Um, Those were anywhere from four to seven shots a day, depending on the day. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. It's a full-time job. It was. Literally. It was, yeah. Where did did you just, like, go and pick up, like, a literal box of all of the needles? Needles? No. So you you can, depending on the route that you go. Um, Walgreens Specialty Pharmacy was my pharmacy, and they ship everything to you. And it's a whole separate pharmacy. So, again, it's, like, a very catered experience that was very positive of just, like, hey, like – we're here for you on this experience. Here's everything that you're getting in your order. When you get it, call us so we can walk you through what's in the box. You literally get an ice chest delivered to your house with all the meds because some of them wow. have to stay in the fridge. And it's everything from the needles to um, retract the medicine, the needles to inject the medicine, your sharps boxes, like the whole gamut. Wow. I'll send you some pictures for Please. the aftermath because yes, um, yes. I, I – documented the entire experience from start to finish and it's wild to look back at the shots um and i have pictures of ruby and ruby as um like an embryo with all of the sharps yeah 165 shots total i was just about to ask that's crazy yeah i know i love that picture um so then you get through those shots and they're tracking you almost every day. You're going in for blood work. They're watching you very closely. No. Yes. You, like, that's what I'm saying. You literally either have to work from home or, or don't. Yeah. Don't or take. Yeah. Had we um, had COVID not happened, we had discussed like a short term leave option. Um, but again, we were not in that situation. Wow. OK. Continue. Yeah. Um, so what can happen is you're pumping your body through all these hormones that it naturally creates um, to stimulate growth of eggs. Uh, You can very quickly become overstimulated, which has some risk involved. Uh, There's a lot of things that can really mess up your, um, it can overmature the eggs. It can, um, so like your ovaries are basically little pockets or little bubbles. And they're stretching and expanding. So it can be really uncomfortable. Hmm. Um, Like for a while, none of my pants would fit because I was so swollen in the abdomen. It can also take and torque your ovaries, which can be really dangerous. It can cut off blood supply. Like there's a lot of risk not to go into it too much. That's why they're monitoring you every day. That's why you're monitoring. Yes. So we get to the point where everything looks good and we schedule surgery. And that's, again, like a 24-hour, like you're having surgery tomorrow. Um, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Is that a – does it – is it through the vagina or do they cut you? It is through your vagina, yes. They're okay. going internally. No um, no incisions have okay. to be made. It is a – I'd have to look again – 10 or 12-inch needle <gasps> that's being injected into your ovary. Wait, are you awake? No. Oh, okay, no, okay, no, okay, no. Okay, thank God. No, no. <laughs> 
I, it was funny because as we go in, um, and it's all in the same place, so I felt super comfortable. Um, and the anesthesiologist comes over and he's like, so how are you feeling? And I was like, honestly, I'm not even worried about the needle. I don't want to be awake. Um, the only surgical experience I'd had prior was my wisdom teeth being removed. That's and I don't know. <laughs> I think I've told you this story before, but I woke up halfway through that. <gasps> Abby Gray. <laughs> That's terrifying. I woke up halfway through and I was just like, obviously discombobulated, but was just like, are we done? And they're like, no, we have two more. And it, they get them out. They put me back to sleep, whatever. But after the end, I was just like, what? happen and oh. he was like oh you remember i was like yeah i remember you were in like yes it was oh, horrible my gosh. and so fast forward to this and i'm talking to the anesthesiologist and he's like what are you worried about i was like i don't want to be awake i am You're scared like, to death me down that i'm Please going to not respond to anesthesia after that experience because they had told me they had given me like four do four times the dose of a normal adult like so in my head, I'm like, I don't respond to anesthesia. Like, what oh, are we going to do? Um, and he was just like, I promise you, you will not wake up. I'm better than the wisdom <laughs> teeth guy. I would say so. Yes. <laughs> yes. I would um, say probably uh, this might be totally off, but it feels to me like a wisdom teeth operation maybe gets more inexperienced anesthesiologists. Yeah. They get the one like a year out of grad I, school. <laughs> yeah. like, I would say, good, yeah. Buddy. I would say if your job is to keep someone asleep, like come on, dude. Let's just excel in that area, maybe. <laughs> Literally, please. At least in my experience. But um so he puts um puts my IV in, which again was like, I'm not really here for the needles, but we've gotten past that at this point. <laughs> um I go to sleep. The last thing I remember is laying down on the OR table, and then the next thing I know I'm in recovery. Oh, and it's like feeling. a 45 minute process like it was super short oh um so they told me like obviously like we walked through some results um they wanted me to get up and go to the bathroom before i could go home and then went home um were you sore yes and to the point where the following 24 hours i was in a lot of pain mm. and they had only given me tylenol like <laughs> max dose tylenol because most women walk out of that and they're fine because you've removed all the pressure right mm -hmm. well I was overstimulated mm. as per one of the risks. So I ended up at McGee um, for some follow-up to make sure that we did not do permanent damage to my ovaries. So that process was a little intense. I swear. I, know. I was going to say, I would have been so furious at that point if well, that was going to be the case. It wasn't even anger. It was more, you know, we just went through this to get all of these mature eggs and there is always the chance of those eggs not um, fertilizing with sperm. So I had no promise at that point of it actually working. So in my head, I'm like, if something's happening to my ovaries, then like, you also I'm then, really screwed. Yeah, because also at that point, you are then hoping that the embryo that they create will also implant yes. in you and that you will yes. grow it yourself. So. There's still a lot ahead of you. And we were on track for a fresh transfer. So in theory, we go through the surgery, we get the eggs, we fertilize them. Within five to seven mm -hmm. days, they're taking one of those fresh embryos and putting it back in my body. Within a week of the mm -hmm. surgery? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so my doctor was like, your body already has all of these extra hormones within it. When you get pregnant, it adds a whole lot more. That's going to put your body at more risk. So we need to press pause and let your body chill. 
get some of this medication expelled from your body and then we'll do a frozen transfer. Hmm. So they take, um, and this, like what I'm about to share is not the case for everyone and I am overly aware and thankful that our IVF experience resulted, like yielded very well for us. Um, they took 42 eggs from my body that were mature, which wow. is unheard of. That's a lot. Um, and at the end of the day, 18 of those matured fully with sperm. Wow. So we were really grateful that that was never gonna have to be an experience that we'd have to do again. I have friends that have gone through IVF wow. two and three and four times. So you have 16 other I have embryos. 15. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That, like, are you and Corey. Yeah. That are in a freezer. Yeah. Ah, that's so weird. Yeah. Okay, so, sorry, because I want to... No, it's okay. I want to, like, <laughs> ask. So, you, again, you never had to go through that. So, with this baby, it was just like, all right, plant them in there. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, there are obviously like things that go along with it. Um, Did but, you have to do needles this time? Oh yeah, okay. every every cycle requires needles of some sort. But okay. um, so our our course of action changed with the frozen transfer. Gave my body a month to chill, had a normal period, moving on. Um, there is a drug that you take to start to prep your body to hold the embryo progesterone it's a oil-based drug um i still have knots on the side of my hips and my butt from progesterone that will maybe go away one day oh um like very big needles i think i've shown me them before mm-hmm. um you start taking those shots once a day sometimes twice a day depending on the regimen and um get ready for the prime time to drop embryo in so when they put the embryo in, is it a similar procedure to the IUI? They yes. just put it through the vagina? Um, yes. Um, they're going through your vagina, through the cervix, directly to the top of the uterus, where baby would normally um, form from right. the egg that's dropping. Um, the really cool part is that there is a job out there called an embryologist, Ooh. whose job is to literally take care of the embryos and treat them and grade them. Um, He's like... Hello. Yeah. Eight plus. <laughs> well, at one point, somebody gave Ruby a shirt. It's like, my first babysitter was an embryologist. And it's actually very true. That's because so cute. That's so cute. She, her embryo, she is an embryo, was just in a catheter. Um, so, yeah, they, uh, it's kind of an uncomfortable scenario. Not the most uncomfortable, but your bladder is full. You're in That's the stirrups. That's what you do during sonograms, too. Um, they want your bladder to be full, then they press on your stomach. You're like, so they want, they have a probe with ultrasound because they want to see your cervix and they want to see where the catheter is. So they're also, you're also in the stirrups and they're (laughs) in there. Yep. They're in there with the catheter. Again, nothing really hurts, but it's just kind of like my bladder's full. You're pushing. I feel like I need to pee really badly. Let's get the show on the road. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, they prepped a little embryo and um dropped the embryo in and called it a day it's like a very quick it's so funny. very quick very kind of casual I was, I was literally just about to say it feels so casual and then you're just like so i'm <clears> pregnant, pregnant? <laughs> yeah so my doctor would always say it's like you're pregnant until proven otherwise which i love that aspect i was like mm. yes okay um the first embryo transfer that we did did not take 
um, Mm -hmm. which was kind of another level of like what the heck loss and frustration like we've been like this is where we felt peace to move in this journey and it's not working why um so we took some time to again reassess how are we feeling what do we want to do i feel like you and corey are so in touch with your emotions i feel like that's a very fair thing to say and like be very proud of because i just i don't know from an outsider's perspective i feel like you guys are always just like how are we feeling how are you feeling are we good (laughs) yeah yeah and maybe that's all the crap that we've walked through that just call it trauma (laughs) yeah trauma that's a fair word that's a fair word um everything that we've been through is taught like yeah how how are you feeling yeah i wouldn't say that we're perfect at it but we do i feel like take time to acknowledge like even just to give space like how are you feeling do you want to talk about it do you not want to talk Mm. about it um which is hard for me when he's like i need a minute i'm like okay i'll give you a minute Interesting. I know. Well, it's like when I know something's up, I'm like, I want to talk about it. Just tell me because I want to be the fixer. Um, And he's kind of similar in that way, too. But it's a good, good balance of one another. Um, So we very quickly next month, I'm like, let's do it. My doctor's like, "Eh, and I was like, no, we have to do it. So we start the shots again. Um, The just the shots to prep to carry embryo and we transfer what will be Ruby on July 15th. That was just this weekend. Yeah. So a couple. Ruby's transfer anniversary. Ruby's Ruby's transfer anniversary. Three years ago. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And so after that, you had a great pregnancy, which was well-deserved. Well, even before you get to that point, so they, they put the embryo in and you're like, what now? Mm-hmm. And they're like, we'll see you in nine days for a blood test. So the longest nine days of your whole life, um, you go in, they take blood work. Like, we're going to call you with the results. So literally all day, I'm like, please, please. I like pick up things to do work. And I'm like, yeah, I can't work. Um, <laughs> also, like, are in this nine days, are mm-hmm. you treating yourself like you're pregnant? Yes. Like you're not drinking, maybe taking prenatals? Um, I had actually taken prenatals through the whole experience. Okay. That's kind of one of the things that they st- – recommend starting really early because if you are deficient in any sort of like vitamin or iron things like that they want to supplement that early low in iron (laughs) we talked about it for this week's episode yeah very low those are things they look at very closely so yeah i was on that um not to go too much of a tangent but when it comes to like the things that you should do when pregnant or what's recommended when pregnant when it comes to eating and drinking and all the things that you're putting in your body. Um, I had also done a whole lot of research mm. about that. And like, because a doctor will say like, no drinking is safe during pregnancy. I got to the point where I was used to having a provider who gave me data and science mm. and not just an opinion. Mm. And so I took it upon myself to really figure out like, what's actually safe what's not safe why is it recommended why is it not recommended i wanted more information Mm -hmm. um which sometimes can be like too much Mm -hmm. but it really allowed me to feel like i'm making decisions on what i feel comfortable with and what feels comfortable to my body um but yes i would say i treated myself as as pregnant 
Sorry. Continue. No, <laughs> no, I think it's a great question. Um, so we're up to the, it's been nine days. They're like, I'm going to call you. I think I, the first, they, they would see me as early as I wanted. Um, I mean, they started appointments, I think, in the five o'clock hour and went all day. Wow. Mm-hmm. Were you like, okay, like, I'm going to be a door buster. I literally <laughs> think it was like a 630 appointment. I can remember the picture I took, like a selfie outside of the office. And I'm in like basically pajamas and my glasses and my hair's in a bun. So I'd rolled out of bed, take my blood, go home. Um, and they're like, we'll call you. I'm like, okay, when? They're like, we'll call, we'll call you. I'm like, today? Tomorrow? <laughs> so <laughs> Same how day. fast does Same the machine day. work? Right. Um, so I remember just sitting uh, downstairs trying Corey to home all day Corey's too? home he was okay. working from home as well and we knew it was coming so it was like we were both trying to kind of stay busy but both horribly distracted um and they call and it's just a simple like so we took your blood today I'm like mm-hmm. she's like you're pregnant uh, do you have a video of when I don't have a video of that one um I was not thinking about thinking that. ahead all you're thinking is answer the phone <laughs> yeah I think I was so present thankfully uh that I wasn't yeah I wasn't thinking about that um I have pictures and video of like when we went back the days following and the weeks following but um I just remember walking in to what's Corey's office and just losing my mind and Corey it always makes me laugh because he's like your response to happy emotion and sad emotion is the same thing he's like I I never know what I never really know what to expect um but got to share that with him and How did you feel like, because I know this is like another, I guess, like hot topic Mm -hmm. amongst this, you know, whole realm is like, you've gone through a miscarriage and then now you're pregnant again. Mm -hmm. How Mm -hmm. do you feel like, do you feel like, okay, if I just make it to nine weeks, which is when it happened last time, I'll be Mm -hmm. okay. Or is it like a constant fear or no fear? Like, how are you navigating that? For me, the immediate response was excitement and relief. Very soon after, it was fear and is it real and is baby okay? Um, so, yeah, and that that was true throughout Ruby's entire pregnancy. Wow. Hmm. So how, like, again, going back to, like, how could someone that knew you in that time, like, support you through that? Because I know mm-hmm. also, like, something that a lot of people say very wrongly is, like, well, at least you're pregnant again. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I'm totally disregarding the loss that has already yeah. happened. Um, I mean, one of my best friends, something that she does really well is, um, and she may not even realize this, but I know this about her, is how are you feeling? Hmm. That's the same thing that she asks me all the time. Um, and it just gives free space to kind of say whatever I am feeling. Um, And I think those, that community that was close with us through the journey and the loss, and then the loss of my dad, like they know where we're at and it's not all easy. Um, And my close friends who have gone through this process and experienced loss before and during IVF is acutely aware of how it feels. and I don't think that it's something you ever really get over. I don't. I have not experienced it as much with this pregnancy, but it is still something that is very present. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So now you're pregnant. Yes. <laughs> you 
go through Ruby's whole pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Everything went great. Yeah. Delivered it was a beautiful little girl. Yeah. Uh, after 36 hours, yes. <laughs> Abby Grace and I had a pretty similar birth <laughs> we did. experience. We did. You you had more balls going into it with the, <laughs> with the home birth. Yeah, but that that was kind of my downfall in the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's such, like, I've talked about this with one of my close friends, too, and it's, like, the balance these days of, like, not listening to the people being, like just you wait, just you wait. And like Jenna like had so much faith and like, I'm sure she will going into her next pregnancy, like the, and I'm going to speak it like, this is how it's going to be. And it's like, obviously that didn't work out, but in the end, like, I don't know if like you would have wanted someone to be like, okay, like let's have a backup plan just in case, because then I feel like you get then go back of like, oh, okay, my faith is lacking then. Mm. Or like, I yeah. need to be able to speak this. And so mm-hmm. it's such an interesting dichotomy. <laughs> it, it really, really is. is. Of being like, I'm going, it like, is. that was my thing is that I didn't pack a hospital bag because I was like, I'm in faith believing that my child will be born here. And then it's like, okay, that that didn't happen. And mm. that's like, that is definitely, if we ever do record our faith episode, like, oh, yeah. that's a hard concept in mm-hmm. general mm-hmm. as a Christian to wrap your mind around. Yeah, Any situation. I prayed for this. It didn't happen. What's the deal? You What's know next? What I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, again, having a phenomenal provider through this experience, um, when they start talking about what's your birth plan, what's your birth plan, she was like, the best advice I was ever given was have preferences, not a plan. Mm. And I loved that. Um, and that rang true through Ruby's experience. Um, I learned a lot through her birth and, um, again, kind of tapped into more like, why is this recommended? Why is this the norm? Um, I think the problem, at least in our country, is that pregnancy is treated as a one, one shoe fits all. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's so not true. Um, what works for one person does not always work for the other. Um, so I I feel like I did really well advocating for myself through that, but I will it will be a lot different this go around. Yeah. Um, in that realm. But I was also in a place of like if something is not going according to the way that we want it to or the way that you know, Ruby is going to have it, <laughs> then I want to be in a place where I feel like if intervention is needed, then we're there. And I don't know that I would say, thankfully, don't love the way that it happened, but it happened and we were able to get her um, out safely. Yeah. What was the, I feel like we have a few more questions and we'll like wrap up, but like try to describe the experience of after 36 hours, after two <laughs> and a half years, maybe at this point, yeah. of this entire process, having Ruby like laid on your chest and you're just like, oh you're, <laughs> you're here and yeah. you're real. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I went into it like, I think I pictured in my head, like once my water broke and like things started to progress that I would be like very frantic and very nervous. Um, but I, my water broke in bed. And it didn't even wake me. Like, Corey woke me up and was like, babe, the bed is wet. Like, what's up? <laughs> what's going on? Um, I was like, oh, my water broke. But just get a towel. Because um, in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to go to the hospital immediately. So I'm going to go back to bed. Um, if I can sleep through so- contractions, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I had very mild contractions that morning. Called my doctor. And then we went in like a few hours later. Um, was your 
your doc your IVF doctor was not the one who delivered Ruby. no okay um she is she was strictly for the reproductive process um at the eight or depending on your journey at the eight or ten week appointment you get discharged from the fertility team mm. and then you see your primary ob your midwives or whatever your choice is at that point oh, okay got it um which is really interesting from a fertility perspective because you're used to seeing baby like every week and getting these updates all the time <laughs> and then it's like we'll see you in six weeks i'm like, like what uh, can i come back in tomorrow Does my insurance cover <laughs> right um and thankfully like and again, this has been my experience. Like my midwives have been really sensitive to my journey and are just like, if there's something you need, just tell us. Like we're here for you. Mm-hmm. We want to be supportive of you. Um, so that has that has felt really supportive through the entire journey. Um, I pushed a long time for Ruby, way too long. <laughs> and um, through pushing, she flipped. And so she was going like trying to come out sideways, which Ooh. is not really possible. And um things started to progress really fast and they brought in the ob on call who there have only been a few moments in my life where i felt like a true peace presence Hmm. like into a room and this was one of them uh laura dr laura she came in there were so many people in the room and i remember looking at Corey. i'm like i need you to get everybody out i need everybody everybody out of here uh i just need to talk to her one-on-one i need to get a feel for like where she's at because if we're making a decision like i don't want to i don't want the noise um and so she started to talk to us about options um to like help get ruby out so we decided um she's like i want to what I loved about her she's like i want to give you a chance to do this i don't want to assume Hmm. that you can't do this and just go in for surgery and that be that. And I told her like the one thing I would love to avoid would be a cesarean. Um, but if that's the route that we have to go, then I'm also prepared for that. And so uh, she, we agree that she's gonna take me into the OR. They're going to have me ready should mm. we need to do surgery, but she's gonna give me a chance um, with some slight intervention. And with two pushes, Ruby was out and I think what you were asking me about earlier, like that continual like fear and anxiety that I felt through my body her entire pregnancy. Corey's sitting next to me and he's, I know it, but he will attest to it now. He's losing his mind. He's like, what's happening? What's going on? I'm scared. And I remember vividly, probably more than actually holding Ruby, I remember vividly closing my eyes, humming a Maverick City song and just feeling this like utmost peace. And I remember the physical feeling of this anxiety leave my body as soon as she exited it. Wow. Like the calm and the peace that I had when they put her on me was just like, okay, Hmm. that journey has closed its door and we have done it. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So that's all like, that's the big, um, like when I look back on that experience, there's a lot of little things, but that was the big like. I can breathe. Sigh. Yeah, yeah. I feel good. Um, yeah. And then Incredible. this second pregnancy, mm-hmm. you also you trans so you transferred one of your frozen embryos. We did. And how have you felt emotionally like throughout this one? Um, I I mean, I thankfully love being pregnant. 
<laughs> I I thrive. Um, my current midwife, she's like, there's my freak of nature. <laughs> um, because everyone around me, like I have two coworkers too that are expectant and everybody's like, you I know, hate I so hate annoying. it. It's horrible. You know, yada, yada, yada. And I'm just like, hey guys. <laughs> I'm just chilling. Um, I, yeah, I'm good. Well, and my boss, like when I told her, she's like, I honestly like, most people like you know have a couple days where they call out or they're not feeling well and she's like are you good and i'm like yeah i'm I'm great (laughs) um yeah i think emotionally it's more it's not about fear or uh the what the unknown it's more excitement it's more um corey and i like i think our greatest relationships in our lives are our siblings And so for us, it was a really, if it was possible to give Ruby a sibling, like that meant a lot to us because of how we feel about our brothers. And so, I mean, if you look back at our wedding, we did not, our bridal party was our brothers. My brothers stood with me and his brothers stood with him. Um, So sweet. Like it's, it has very much shaped us into the people that we are. So I was really desiring that experience for ruby if possible so i'm excited um i never really pictured myself as like a girl mom or a boy mom and now that we will have both i'm like this is amazing wild yeah like the thought of having a little boy now after having a little girl is like what (laughs) like what will the relationship be yeah it's so because we talk this we talk about the same things like after having a girl and you've had a girl for much longer i mean she's over two years old now Mm -hmm. And now it's just like, how, what will it be with this little boy? Yeah. I know. But then I like, I look back at when I became a big sister. I'm the oldest. I have two younger brothers. And like, I mean, I feel I feel extra lucky that I have two. But I remember when Matt was born and being like, this is the greatest thing. Like, yeah. it's so much fun. And just the experiences that he and I have gotten to share. And then when Barton was born, it's just like, wow, like, mm-hmm. this is such a cool thing. Yeah. Um, I'm really thankful that I had siblings growing up. So I'm I'm really excited for her. And I think she'll love it. Oh, she'll be so just like. She'll nurturing. be such like a mom, I feel like. Yeah, the most <laughs> loving and nurturing. I know. It's like we were talking earlier. I just want like Ruby. You know how chill you are like <laughs> your vibes i need you to just like them on to yes yes let's let's push that forward so oh i i'm emotionally drained but i <laughs> loved it don't tell our moms i feel like you're my favorite guest <laughs> that's sweet um, i won't tell them well i don't do you have anything else you want to add no do you have anything else that you want to like say to anyone who might be going through this any last pieces of advice I mean I think the big piece is like it's funny I was I was at church um I was at the college ministry this past week and I went to the bathroom and as I was coming out of the stall this other young very young girl was coming out as well and she looked over at me and she was like I'm so sorry but I just found out I'm pregnant I was like oh my gosh congratulate like I'm overjoyed for her and she starts crying and I'm just like okay it's like are you okay like what's going on she was like my mom disowned me the father's not in the picture I don't really speak to my dad I don't know what to do and so we sit in the bathroom at church and we just start talking and exchange information and we pray and 
et cetera, et cetera. And I would say, if you don't have support for anything that you're going through, find it. Mm-hmm. And I would happily be that person for anyone that wants <laughs> to talk about anything through, you know, from what we started with to where we ended, um, anything in between. Um, it was such a beautiful thing that she like had the courage to go up to some stranger and be like, I see that you're pregnant. So like, maybe you'll help me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that's it. Like my desire is to share my experience to help and support and inform others because it was not anything that I ever anticipated for my life. Um, but I'm really grateful for what I've learned through the process. And obviously like Ruby's the best gift that we could ever be given. So um, I think that would be it. Incredible. You're amazing. And we love you so much. I love you guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I feel like, again, like you're saying, like not a lot of people talk about it. Those Mm -hmm. resources and people in your life weren't there. And I just love your heart for like wanting to be there for other people, come on a podcast. We might not have like a million listeners, but like still like to be vulnerable on a public forum, I just think is very noble and And very brave. I'm sure that you will be a beacon of hope to some people listening for sure. It's like my hope is that someone that even maybe not be struggling with it could share it with someone that is, you know, they may not even know me, but like... You guys have my information. Share yeah. it out if yes. you need to chat. Yeah. I would yeah. love to. Let's drop your Instagram for everybody. I will. Um, it's at Abby Grace Jones. Full full gamut. Nice and simple. Um, I follow the podcast, so you could easily find me. There yes, and Abby is spelled with an E Y. A B B E Y. Yes. All right. We love you. Love, love you guys. guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.